And welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C., coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios in Manhattan, New York, joined by the one and only Mike Ortiz. He's our wonderful producer, controlling the ones and twos, giving us the two thumbs up. Everything's always good whenever Mike's around. And joining us via Skype is the one and only my co-host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T. Sean, how are you? Well, I am doing good on this Parlay Thursday. How are you doing, sir? Parlay Thursday. I like that. I like that one a lot. Parlay Thursday's doing good, man. Nice day out. Beautiful day out. What more can you ask for here in Manhattan on a Parlay Thursday? And we also have a very special guest joining us, to via Skype as well. He is the host of the ILC podcast and the producer of Pharrell on the Bench with Scott Pharrell. He is the one and only Mike Carver. Mike, how are you, buddy? Hey, what's going on, boys? How's it going? Good, man. You know, can't complain. Can't complain. Just here, enjoying another day of life. And, Mike, you know, you've been through a lot ever since, you know, the last time that we saw each other. The last time I saw you in person was on the train for that Game 3 Sunday game when the Islanders were playing Pittsburgh in the first round of the playoffs coming back from Offside Tavern. So it's right. been a, it's been a long time. It's been what three months since I last saw you in person. Yeah, those are mid April, mid late April, right yeah, around there. Yep. So you know it's uh, it's been one hell of a ride for the Islanders to say the very least. But you know we're gonna get right into it with the Islanders, and obviously a lot has gone on with Belmont and them resigning their core players and everything like that from Andrews Lee, Brock Nelson, and Jordan Eberle getting. Their uh, goaltender and uh, Mr. Volomov as well. And then also, too, the Islanders get their uh, power play coach, their new power play coach, Jim Hiller, from Toronto. Uh, just start off about the Islanders offseason, Mike. What has been your uh, take on the Isles offseason thus far? You know, I just think that right now they've they've checked a lot of the boxes that they need to in terms of bringing people back, things like that. Um, I still think that there needs to be something else. You know, I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, obviously, now in the middle of the summer. It might have to wait until training camp starts. It might have to wait till the week before opening night. Uh, whatever it is, I still think that they need more. Uh, look, this was a, a phenomenal year for them, 103 points, uh, for home ice in the first round, something that hasn't been seen in 30 years, so... There was a lot of really good things that happened, but the one thing for me now is, you know, you got to build off of that. You've got to now take what you did last year, and you now got to, you know, go higher. And um, I thought they did a good job bringing back guys that were a big part of that. Um, you know, the, the goalie thing, it is what it is. Uh, swapping out Varlamov for Leonard. Um, I think that we're going to see that that's, at the end of the day, you know, probably going to be somewhere around a wash. Now, we know why Varlamov's really coming here. It's all about Sorokin, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure we'll get to that. But bringing back the guys that were a big part of what they did was huge. They took the big swing at Panarin. Didn't work out. Um, you know, it never does when you're going up against the Rangers and, and you know, one player, the Islanders, the Rangers going up against the same guy. Uh, Rangers going to win. And that's, just, that's just the way that it is. And they took their swing at that. It didn't happen. And I think that Lou, you know, Good job bringing back the core guys that were a big part of what you did last year, but you still need to add pieces to it. So, Mike, so with that being said, what is the next move do you think they should do? Do do you think they should make a trade? Do you think they should get 
a guy that played the wing, so um, someone on the, the back end. If you were Lou, what is the next move, or what type of move do you think that they should make next? Yeah, look, Sean, I I I think that they need a they need a top you know top six winger. This is a problem that has been around for a while, and this team especially for large spurts, even though they played well in the second half and in the first round against the Penguins. Uh, you saw it in the Hurricane series and a lot in the second half. This team has, goes into slides where they can't score goals, um, and they need, they need a guy who all he does is score. Uh, you know, I know that you want guys that fit in the system. You want things like that, but they need a pure goal scorer, sniper. These guys are hard to come by. I'm not going to sit here and say they're not, but I think that what Lou needs to do is, uh, pinpoint somebody that he can acquire via trade because there's nobody out there to sign free agency-wise that fits that specific thing that they need. So I think that they need to look in the trade market and they need to find somebody that they can put on a wing, whether it be in the first line or the second line, preferably the first line, who can put the puck in the net consistently. Uh, Anders Lee scores a lot of goals, but Anders Lee scores a lot of his goals in front of the net, tip-ins, rebounds, things like that, and he does a great job at that, then you need a guy who does that. But they also need a guy who, when he's coming into the zone and you pass him the puck and he's in the other circle and he could just rifle it on a one-time or he carries the puck in and he's got a blistering shot, they need a sniper. And like I said, they're hard to come by, but Lou's got to find it. Now he's got some things that he can do, whether it be, you know, if he wants to try to angle Nick Letty to get something like that, I think he would have did that already if that was there. He might have to get a little creative. But he needs to find somebody in the top six who could put the puck in the net consistently. Mike, do you speaking of uh, you know trying to find somebody? You think maybe somebody? I know me and you we've talked about this prior, but do you see somebody from the farm maybe coming up as far as like the roster help goes? Yeah, you know, look, uh, there's guys down there who I think are you know they're close, but um, here's the thing with taking guys from the farm, right? You just had a season where you had 103 points. You made the second round of the playoffs. Um, I, I just feel like putting kids in that role, um, just I don't know if that makes you better, you know, because those kids are not going to be right away. I mean, I know that you struck fire with Matthew Barzell last year in his rookie year, but he had taken a couple years. I mean, that guy played an extra year at junior that he didn't need to play. Right. You know, he was, he, he was ready, and he still had another year of seasoning in juniors before he came and had that Calder Trophy winning year with the Islanders. So I know that everybody wants to put prospects in there, and I get it. And I think that Kiefer Bellows last year worked on things at Bridgeport, but he only scored 12 goals. Now, I also have been told and feel that part of the reason why he scored 12 goals was he was working on other parts of his game uh, to make him more NHL ready. I don't know if he's there yet. Oliver Wallstrom, I think, is going to be an absolute stud in the NHL. Everything that I have seen from this kid is outstanding. But is he ready to go in there in October and start playing on the first or second line for the Islanders? I don't think so. Uh, I think that he's going to need a year, um, you know, at Bridgeport. And, and if you need help later on in the year and he looks ready, then you go for it. I don't know if there's a guy right now who they can put in the lineup, you know, opening night uh, against the Capitals there on that Friday night. I, I just don't know at the Coliseum if there's a guy right now who can help you fill the void that they need the most. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about the young kids and everything like that. Even a guy like Koivula is trying to fill in that third-line center. 
we don't even know what might happen with that third line center at this point. Could right. be Casey Sezikis. They, they could find somebody else. Will yeah. I mean there, there could be a Brian Boyle. There could be something like that that happens that fills that void that they currently have where Val Filippola was, who was so good for the Islanders last year. That's another. That's just like what I'm talking about with the top six. I mean, Koivula has played one year over here. He played one year at Bridgeport. It was a good year. He's 20 years old. Is he ready to take on the role of being a third line center in the NHL? I don't right. know that yet. Right. I, I, I don't think that people have seen enough from him to know if he can do that. And when you're a team that is coming off the year that you did, you need to know that you're going to be better. Now, listen, 103 points, it's hard to improve off that second round, but you need to try to improve off that. And I don't know if going the kid route is the way that you improve off 103 points in a second round appearance. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, Mike, so the thing that I was going to ask you is that me and me and Will have this type of talk like all the time. And a part of me feels like maybe Lou and Coach, maybe they weren't expecting a 103-point year. So, yeah, they had it and they made it to the second round. And, you know, they had a year that, you know, really, you know, very, very few thought that they would have. There is a part of me that feels like we all want Lou to make like a big splash here or there, but I think Lou wants to keep everything close to the vest. He wants to keep things going at a slow and steady pace, and he almost wants to trust the rebuild that he is entitled and that he is entrusted to do. So, with that being said, do you think he should still consider that rebuild mode despite the year that we have? Or do you think that he should maybe not necessarily uh, scrap it, but just kind of make an adjustment here or there and go after a big name guy? Yeah, you know, Sean, I think that the thing is, is you know, and, and people have told me this, this offseason, you know, if Lou Amarillo was 67, 68 years old instead of, 77, 78 years old, uh, maybe that would be the case. But as I've been told, uh, Lou wanted, wants to win yesterday. Uh, Lou is, uh, Lou's not uh, trying to build a team that wins a title uh, four years from now. Uh, I'm sure that he's got, listen, he's got guys that he's putting in place to be able to do that. There's no question with some of the uh, young kids and young talent, some of the best young talent that this organization has honestly had in a long time, they have four or five legit prospects. Not all of them were acquired by Lou. Uh, really just Dobson and Wallstrom are the two guys you put in there that were part of what Lou brought in. But um, uh, Lou wanted to win yesterday. That's the line that, I always, uh, that I've been told a couple times. So I don't think that Lou is looking at this thing as, um, you know, I'm trying to win three, four, five years from now. I, I think that Lou is looking at this thing as um, I want to win in the next year or two. Because Lou is, uh, like I said, he's 77, 78 years old. I don't think that he, I think he knows that he wants to try to win as soon as possible. So um, I think he knows where those kids are, and a lot of them are two, maybe three years away. So he, I think that if he has an opportunity to do it, he's going to make a move that can help his team in the short term, not just in the long term. Mike, you talk about winning now, and you talk about making a move right now that's sort of like under the radar. The Islanders' power play was ranked almost dead last 
in the entire NHL, and it kind of cost them in in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, down down the stretch, obviously they they got a couple of their goals in the power play, but it kind of you know bit them in the butt. They wound up hiring uh, Jim Hiller as their uh, power play coach, their new power play coach from Toronto. Toronto over the past couple of seasons, they've been in the top ten. Uh, do you see? Uh, Hiller making an impact on on this team and on this Islanders power play. Well, everybody says that he's this big uh, power play wizard guru. Um, you know, when he was in Toronto, the numbers don't lie. The first year it was bad, but that's because that team was awful. And then you look at the other two or three years that he was there, they were in the top ten in the NHL. So uh, some people say power play numbers are always generated by what kind of talent you have. Some say that the coach makes a big difference. Personally, I, I'm done. I, I don't anymore uh you know throw the whole coaching doesn't matter thing to the side after what i saw last year with barry trotz if somebody has got an effort reputation as being a big time coach at something i'm going to you know take a look at it before i throw it away uh so if this guy comes over with the label as he's really good with the power play i'm going to give him a shot and say you know what maybe he is going to fix it with what they have um the power play obviously is a problem there's no question about it it was a problem all year it's something that needs uh definitely to be fixed and Hopefully this guy Hiller is the guy to do it. Uh, I still think it would be helped more, you know, the same kind of situation, like I said, with what they need five on five. Um, the same type of guy I'm talking about is the same type of guy that can change their power play as well. Um, you look at the kind of stuff that, um, you know, having a guy like, uh, obviously these guys aren't, like I said, Alex, Alex Ovechkin is a generational player, but you see him sit over there in that circle and they just feed him the puck and he rifles. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a guy that you could feed the puck to and just rifle. And um, that helps any power play when you have a guy like that. But I think that bringing in this guy, reputation as a power play fixer, uh, let's see what it does. I'm willing to try anything because, as you saw last year, it can't get any worse. Mike, so speaking of a coach, obviously Barry Trotz, he came over year number one, amazing year, awards here, awards there. The team had an outstanding year. In year number two, if the roster stays the same or maybe if they make a little slight move here, a slight move there, but if this is the exact team that they have coming back, what do you think he needs to do or what do you think he should do in year number two to hopefully get us either back to where we were in the second round or hopefully pass that stage? Yeah, look, you know, I I don't think that, um, as you saw last year, he he knows what he's doing. So uh, I don't think that he needs to make uh, any changes, per se, or or anything like that. Uh, I think that, especially with the year that he had and and how long he has done it in this league, uh, Barry Trotz knows what he's doing. I think that he obviously, after seeing all of the guys that he has over a full season now, this is going to allow him to even further put the right people in the right places when it comes to the type of style and the type of system that he plays. I mean, look at what he did last year, and he didn't even have these guys except for training camp knowing what they could do. And he talked all year long about how as the year went on, some guys get it quicker than others. Now seeing how guys have done throughout 82 games, throughout some playoffs, he's now going to be able to really put people in the right spot because I think the prime example of that is is Jordan Eberle. Uh, Jordan Eberle kind of... You know, you want to say had a rough um, first four or five months of the season? You could say that. He didn't score as many goals, obviously, as he normally does. But I think what you saw in March and in the playoffs 
is that he finally got a grasp of the system, and then he started putting the puck in the net more because he was comfortable doing other things all over the ice. I think that Barry, the advantage that he has going into year two is now he knows what he has with all the players that have been on his roster now for a full year, as opposed to last year where all he had was a training camp with these guys. So I think that's the boost you'll see. But other than that, Sean, I don't think Barry to change anything. I think that what they did last year uh, was successful, and not a lot of teams do it in the NHL, and he knows that. You talk about Varmaroff before and with uh, Sorokin and why uh, he's here uh, as far as Mr. Varmaroff goes. But real quick with uh, the goalie situation on the island here, uh, what, what's, your, what's your take on, on, uh, on, the whole, uh, on the whole thing? Well, look, uh, I've said it a bunch of times. I, I, this is all generated by Ilya Sorokin. That, that's all that this is. This was a situation where Lou knew that he would have a better access to Sorokin, a better chance of bringing Sorokin here if he had his buddy Varlamov in the fold. Um, he gave him a lot of years. He gave him a lot of money. Uh, same agent uh, Varlamov has as Sorokin. So uh, I'm sure that there are uh, behind-closed-door deals that have already been done. You take care of this guy. I'll make sure you get the other guy, et cetera, et cetera. The Robin Leonard thing was bizarre from the start. Uh, I, I said it on my show a few times. I tweeted a bunch. It didn't make a lot of sense that Robin Leonard was running around telling everybody who put a microphone in his face, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't care how much money. I don't care how many years. I don't care. Blah, 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 blah. Clearly, um, whatever happened, happened. Now, one of two things happened personally. Either Lou went to him and his people at the beginning and said, and gave them an offer he knew he would not accept from the jump and, uh, you know, kind of called his bluff on the whole, I'll take any years, take any money. And Robin went to think about it, and Lou said, all right, well, forget it. I'm going to go and sign this guy now. You know, or Robin turned it, you know, Robin, you know, didn't get that offer. Like he he said he got two years, whatever the deal was, the money wasn't there. Uh, Whoever's, somebody's not telling the full story, whether it's Leonard's people or Lou, you're never going to find out, that's for sure. And, the guy ends up going to Chicago on one year, five mil, and the Isles bring a guy here who's going to guarantee them to get the great Ilya Sorokin, the Patrick Waugh of Russia, over here next summer. So that's what this is all about, Will. You know that. Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be that much of a dip. Um, Robin Leonard was fantastic last year. But, you know, some people are going to already, you know, say it now that he's gone. Was it more of the style that the Islanders play? Was it him? Was it whatever? I think we're going to find out. Uh, you'll know by, you know, November, December. Mm-hmm. If Varlamov and the Islanders, you know, is playing as well as Leonard did last year, I think we'll know what it was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look at, you look at, to, just to go back to Jordan Eberle for a second here, he mentioned in his, uh, in his press conference when he resigned with the Islanders, he said that having a guy like Barry Trotz here it meant a lot to him. And when he was with Edmonton, he didn't have the coaching situation that he does here. Obviously, he played a year under Doug Waite here, and obviously Barry Trotz here now, everything like that. It's night and day at this point to get a guy like that here is just absolutely huge. But uh, real quick here, uh, Mike, I know Belmont. Belmont is hap- happening. I know you mentioned it on your show. I know every Islander fan is hyped up after seeing that environmental uh project report and everything like that and then having to get the train station that's an added bonus but uh mike what's your take on on this whole uh arena situation right now because the islander fan is definitely stoked about it 
Yeah, look, as they should be. I mean, this has been 25-plus uh, years in the making. There's no doubt. I think it's done. Uh, I think that the one thing, and, and Randy Marshall at Newsday kind of told me this on my show, I, I think the one thing, and it's very hard to do, is the Islander fan just has to have a little bit of patience right now. They just have to have patience. I know you've been waiting a long time. You just have to wait just a little bit longer to get to the other side of the tunnel. It is almost there. They're going to start breaking ground, hopefully by the end of the summer or even if it's September, whatever. They all still continue to say that no matter what, they're going to have that thing ready um, two Octobers from now to start playing hockey in it. So um, I'm not, you know, there was definitely a time where I, I got a little bit like, what is going on here? But um, I'm done with that. This thing's happening. It's a done deal. It's just patience now. You know, they're crossing all the T's, dotting the I's, doing all that stuff, and they're making sure that, you know, the people that still have a problem with this thing, which you're going to have with any time there's something like this being built, the people that have a problem with it, they're just going to make sure that they have all their bases covered with those people, and then uh, they're going to be able to go. That's it. It's a done deal. Mike, uh, me and Will can't let you go without asking you about your football team that you root and you chair for, <laughs> Mike. That is the Buffalo Bills. To me, Mike, the Bills had a very good offer um, a season, and Will is the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets fan, so obviously Bills, Jets, we yeah. won. Mike, what do you think your team can and will do this year? Because I'm very optimistic, Mike. Like, I really think that the Bills can surprise a few people this year, but as you being the big Bills fan uh, that you are, what are your expectations for the team this year? Yeah, look, you know, I think that they're going to be better. I really do. Like you said, they made some moves in the offseason. You know, they're not – they weren't splashy, uh, headline-grabbing moves, but the guys that they brought in are professionals, man. You look at Mitch Morris on the O-line, a couple other guys. Cole I love Beasley, that move. John, listen, it's a great move, especially when you have a young quarterback and – and you bring in solid veteran receivers like a John Brown and a Cole Beasley, and all that does is help Josh Allen get more comfortable doing what he's doing. You bring in a vet like Frank Gore. Now, listen, Frank Gore's 1,000 years old. I know that, but we know why Frank Gore's there. He's there because he's a leader, and that's one of the things that you know the Bills have been. They've been instilling this culture the last two or three years with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, and I'm excited. And listen, everybody that doesn't watch – Bills, okay, and there's a lot of national NFL people that like to sit there with their charts and graphs, and they want to tell you that well, Josh Allen's completion percentage was this, and Josh Allen, blah 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 blah. Let me just tell you something, boys. I watch every snap, okay. I see what goes on with the Bills every single game. That kid from you know week eight on, second half of the season, when he came back from the elbow injury that he suffered against the Texans, that kid played differently. He played with more heart. He played with more guts. You could see that he was starting to learn the game. He was, you know, and, and you talk about completion percentage, guys. The Bills had, a, you know, stiffs at wide receiver last year, absolute stiffs. He's throwing balls that are hitting guys in the head. He was running for his life with a poor offensive line, throwing the ball away. People saying, oh, he, all he did was run. He was running because he was running for his life. Those were not designed runs like with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. These were plays where Josh Allen dropped back, and he had about a second and a half, and he had to just bolt, and he was pretty darn good at it because he was picking up 20, 30 yards a clip. So this kid's got athleticism. This kid, and let me tell you, 
I watched the Bills put out this thing on YouTube. It's like kind of like a, a hard knocks type of thing. It's called Embedded. And they just did one that they released this week about their whole offseason. This guy, even though he's a key, he's like one of the youngest guys on the team, he has the respect of every player in that locker room, the coach. They are building something. I love what I'm seeing. It's been a long time, and the Bill fan deserves it. Real quick, Mike, uh, what what is your like record-wise for the Bills this year? What what What's your prediction on the Bills this year? I'd like to see them get in the eight nine win range. I think that that would be a big step for them. You know, last year they were everybody said they were going to be the worst team in the NFL. They ended up winning six games. Uh, you know, they got out to that step. They got destroyed by Baltimore in Week One. They got embarrassed. Really, I think it was like fifty three to ten or something like that. They got embarrassed in that first game, and people ran around saying they were going to be the worst team in NFL history. And the kid fought them back to six wins, playing as well as he did in the second half. So I think that they can jump from six. So let's say eight or nine. Hey, who knows? Things go crazy. You get to ten. But I think between eight and ten is something that's legitimate for them if Allen stays healthy and if their defense stays healthy. Their defense was excellent last year. Top five in the NFL yeah. that day. Yep. They played really well. Yep. So I think that the Bills have a chance, especially in the AFC East, which, as we know, is dominated by the Pats. But I think there's opportunities there for the Bills to get between 8 and 10 wins. It's going, to be, it's going to be very interesting this year in the AFC East with regards to all four of those teams. Obviously, you have three of the top quarterbacks from uh, last year's draft being uh, being there in, in the division and obviously Brady, but it's going to be really interesting, man. It's going to be an absolute uh, dogfight, to say the very least, for this AFC East, and especially... The Bills are no joke. Their defense is no joke. And if they get their yeah. offense straight, they'll be fine. No, very good. It's going to be a tough year. The Jets are better. Uh, the Bills are better. I think the Dolphins are worse. I think the Dolphins are going to be the team that has the, the two or three win year. I think it's going to be rough in Miami, but I don't, I'm not really going to shed any tears over that. But I think that the, uh, that the Bills and the Jets are both improved football teams. The Jets spent a lot of money this offseason. Oh, yeah. uh, there's no question about that. They went more with the splashy headline stuff as opposed to what the Bills did with more of the workmanlike uh, veteran-type guys. So we'll see which strategy pays off. It should be a fun year. I'm ready for it. Let's I'm, get the ball in the air. I'm ready for that too, man. I can't wait. Mike, how do the people follow you on social media? You can follow me at Carver High CBS. Uh, that's where you can get me on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, same thing. Uh, and the I'll See Podcast, of course, at I'll See Podcast, I'll See dot com, Instagram, I'll See Podcast, all that stuff. So uh, we're in a bit of a, a obviously the down period now, but once we get to camp in the middle of September, we'll start ramping it back up again. Go grab those shirts from Devin, by the way, from YesMenOutfitters dot com. Had to throw in that plug. Don't forget that. Had to throw in that plug as well, man. You know, can't can't forget about Devin. Devin's the man. No, definitely not. He is absolutely one of. Uh, great partner of mine with what i do over there and he's uh he's excellent i'm glad that i've uh, got him on my side absolutely man absolutely mike thank you so much for uh coming on the show and sacrificing some of thank your you time so much, to come mike. on thank you buddy thanks boys i'll talk to you again soon absolutely thank you again All right, mike. that was the one and only mike carver from the ilc podcast and the producer of pharrell on the bench with scott pharrell absolutely an unbelievable job over there with what Mr. Carver has done so far uh, this year with his ILC podcast. And believe me, Sean, he is one of the, like I said, we had him on the show prior. He's one of the better guys to not only talk to, but to hang out with as well, watching a hockey game, you know, talking and just, he's a great, he's a great guy. You know, he really is. Well, man, um, I'm, uh, I know we're pressed for uh, a 
time here, but um, shoot, but but you know, one of the, the reasons why you know, one of the one of the exciting things that you know me and you get to do by having this show is we get to talk to, you know, what I'm saying passionate fans that we are, a fan of, that we are a fan and they are also a fan of the team too. And you know, what I'm saying like, I think it was like a month or two back, I was listening to the fan and and uh, I was like, Will man, uh, Mike is uh coming on the fan. Remember that, Will? Yeah, yeah. Remember that? I was like, "Hey, man, um, um, uh, Mike is about to uh, come on the fan, and yeah. he's about to talk, and 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 Will, you turned on the radio and you shouted him out, and he reposted your post, and it's things like that that obviously make uh, people see that me and you are, uh, I'm saying, a good guy. Not, but not only that, fans of theirs as well, Will. So. Oh, awesome yeah. job getting him to uh, come on. Absolutely, man. You know, like I said, Mike is one of the better people that you you want to meet. And, you know, go out there and listen to the ILC podcast because he is an absolute uh, great joy to listen to as far as speaking his opinion on the Islanders and going out there and doing his thing. So, you know, Mike, you did a wonderful job today. Shout out to you. Thank you for coming on. It means a lot. And with that, for everybody here at On the Board Sports, hey, before I before I uh, do that, Sean, you have any final thoughts? No, well, shout out to you, shout out to Mike Horton on the ones and twos, and everybody at Gotham. Will, I'll catch you next week, bro. Absolutely. Actually, I do have a final thought. Uh, just wanted to wish a quick uh, anniversary, fifteenth uh, wedding anniversary, to my aunt, my uncle Vinny and Aunt Paula. Just uh, you know. <laughs> It's been uh, it's been crazy. I know they they had their wedding the same day as that brawl in 2004 on a Saturday between the Yankees and the Red Sox. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out on that. But uh, but yeah, it's been crazy to say the very least. But yeah, happy anniversary to Vin and Paula. Just wanted to just shout them out. And yeah, you know that's pretty much about it, dude. You know that's pretty much about it. That's just pretty much about it. And then. Hopefully next week, uh, oh, another one. Happy, uh, yeah, happy birthday, Olivia, cousin Olivia, turning 18. You know, just wanted to give her a quick shout out as well. And with that, for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios and for On The Board Sports, our wonderful producer, Mike, and my wonderful co-host, Sean Thomas, as well as our special guest, Mike Carver, I am your host, William Trucci, logging out. We will talk to you guys soon. Peace out.